Hello and welcome to the Negroni Talks podcast, brought to you from East London and supported by Campari. Set up to be lively, provocative debates on issues around architecture, the Negroni Talks are hosted at the Venetian restaurant Ombro in Hackney and organised by Architects Fourth Space with the assistance of Rob Fain and Bobby Jewell. The talks are designed to emulate the opinionated and convivial free-flowing debates found in the Fin de Siècle European Café Society, being fuelled by food, drink and particularly Negroni. There's no stage, no standing on ceremony and the audience are asked to participate as much as invited speakers and the chair for the event. These recordings are presented as they happen live and like the talks themselves with no frills and little or no editing to bring you the arguments of the evening direct and unfiltered. chair for this evening, which is Nigel Coates, over there. And uh, I'll pass you a mic as well, Nigel, um, as I'm doing so. And you can introduce the speakers if you could. Thank you so much. I wonder if I could have a seat, ladies. Thank you. <laughs> it's great to see so many people here. What a, what a hive of gossip it's going to be. Jesus. Well, we, uh, Sadie is here, not here. Sadie Morgan, DRMM, you know her. I heard gossip about Hastings Pier. Uh, I'm not going to reveal it uh, until later. And um, who else we got? Sir Peter Cook. Where are you, Peter? Gossip of old. I do remember in the old days that you advocated both copying and gossiping. <laughs> and of course, crap, uh, of crap architects and uh, latterly of archigram. And Le Leon Tritton, where are you? Of Ing Media, the largest media organization for architecture, I'm told. How many employees have we got? Forty, more than many architects. <laughs> and Amanda Bailey, or Bilieu, we're just having kind of practicing uh, pronunciation. In Italy, I'm called Nigel Coates. <laughs> and uh, you're running Archibu. I think I'm on there somewhere in the depths of it. Anyway, it comes up on my... I'm not sure whether I chuck it in the bin or not. <laughs> but Amanda, you will remember of old as editor of BD, uh, much uh, required reading in New York because they were desperate for gossip about London. So anyway, those are our speakers and uh, the theme of the evening you know. And uh, it's a difficult one when you start to look at what gossip is really about and you... It's a kind of currency. It has a value. You can impress your friends with juicy gossip. You can also get into horrible trouble. I imagine there's a lot of gossip in Westminster right now. And, uh, and it all has a value. So do you have a right to gossip if you're telling something true? Only uh, if uh, that... that uh, knowledge is in the public domain but if it's not and you're actually using it to further your own 
glow, your social aura, then perhaps it's not so good. But Oscar Wilde said there's only one thing in life worse than being talked about, and that's not being talked about. And that goes for the media. You know, we all love column inches. And if, would we rather have a bad review than no review at all? There's a question to discuss. So anyway, I think the format is that we, we have a little bit of uh, ruminating on the subject from each of you. And then, have we only got one microphone, by the way? Oh, another one. So they could share. I can keep this one. They can share that one. <laughs> um, Leanne, would you care to kick off? I can see you've got a piece of paper. Does that mean you prepared something? <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Um, so I haven't been to one of these talks before, so I didn't know whether it was a full PowerPoint presentation <laughs> and uh, everyone would be wearing lanyards. You hadn't lanyards, heard it was cosy. <laughs> but it's, uh, uh, it's dogs and logs and very lovely. Um, so, so first of all, I just want to challenge, really, the sort of marketing blurb for this talk uh, because it sort of put across this idea that there was a once a golden era where architects shared... Um, gossip and I think it said in with great generosity like you're all sitting around loving each other and caring um, and not being complete bitches and um, I don't know some of the older people might be able to tell us uh, about that golden time and there's also a suggestion in the blurb that we don't gossip anymore you know we're not sharing information with this generosity well well I arrived at uh, uh, six o'clock tonight, as, as we were told to on the, the form, and uh, I've picked up a lot of gossip, so it seems like it's very much alive and well. Um, the, I, I think in all seriousness, to uh, Nigel's point, is it right to talk about something if it's uh, gossip, uh, if it's true? Um, and I think that's... Uh, and can it kill careers? And I think that Really, it's not the gossip that kills the careers. It's actually what people do that kills careers. I think we shouldn't get confused about that. Um, but sometimes there's misinformation creeps into the process of gossiping. Absolutely, absolutely. So I, as a recipient of gossip, I think you've got to be a smart listener to understand why someone's telling you this information and what they're trying to get across. Um, and uh, I think that that could uh, come into play. The, the, the other thing I would point out before I pass on to uh, Amanda, who's an expert in this, is the... Um, NDA. I mean, if, if there's anything that has killed good old-fashioned gossip is the NDA. I mean, I'm up to my ears in, uh, in these non-disclosure agreements. And uh, some people take them more seriously than others. But uh, it, it has made things much less fun than they used to be. Yeah, thanks, Leanne. Uh, yeah, gossip gets a really bad press. Um, women is something women do. 
It's kind of tittle-tattle, you know, Any it's... women, you're wrong there. No, I no, I know. <laughs> I'm just saying it's perceived that it's something that women do. Of course, men gossip far more than women. Um, but it's a kind of male online, you know, looking at celebrities. I mean, I would argue that gossip is, is very, very important. Um, it's very important for architecture um, because you have to know... To understand architecture, uh, British architecture, you have to know... Um, the friends, um, the feuds, and the feelings. Uh, you have to know um, the, the story behind the story. And um, I guess what's kind of, I mean, going back to those very old days of when I edited BD uh, and BD was in print, you know, the journalist's job was to have two-hour lunches, um, to drink, uh, but to come back sober enough with some stories. And they weren't necessarily the kind of tittle-tattle um, that you, you probably now think they are in the sense that they were just diary stories. Sometimes they could be actually pretty important stories. Sometimes they were just diary stories. But I think what we're kind of going to discuss is what's happened. And as Leanne um, made the very good point, um, yes, NDAs, um, sorry, yes, non-declosed, yeah, they've gagged most architects. Um, you ask them, I mean, for, for really sort of small schemes, they're all signing NDAs, which is really weird. I think PRs do have a role to play in the kind of non-gossip uh, um, in magazines, um, because although it's a bit much to say that um, PRs lie, um, but they do narrow the agenda somewhat, and you know they are always serving their clients, so they will suppress stories. I mean, do I have to pass on? No, no. Okay. To keep it I've just got a few more points. I mean, the main. Th I think the kind of most important point is that the the press, that's the architectural press and all the press, has been completely devastated by online, um, by Google and Facebook, um, and. Uh, advertising going online, which means that they have no money. Um, so, you know, in the old days, a journalist on BD would be allowed out for a two-hour lunch. I was hurt, told the other day that a journalist on BD wasn't even allowed to go and see a building because they couldn't afford the train fare. So how on earth are you going to get stories? So maybe it's happening some, some, somewhere else then? It's happening, some well, it's happening everywhere. It's happening it's on everywhere. the independent. It's happening so on, you know, on, it, we're here to talk about architecture rather than the general press. No, no, but I'm talking about the even even amongst architects, that they they get their gossip other ways. Well, I mean, they, they don't get... They gossip, but they gossip, but also architects have become very, very scared. Um, after the recession, you know, it took a few years. I mean, I guess it took from 2007 to when they bounced back in 2014. And when they did bounce back, which is obviously great, they didn't want to speak because they're so fucking scared about a client... Um, hearing about what they've said or the NDA thing or their PR has told them not to. So I guess it's the combination of the scared architect and the media that doesn't has been really cut off on the from the knees. It means that we're not reading it. The gossip's still there. It's just not coming out. But there is a other aspect of gossip. It's like hiding your homework, isn't it? It's like and someone spots the homework and tells another architect, so it's between but architects. But I'm not actually that interested in the gossip between architect and architect. Oh, no, I'm interested, in the, I'm interested in the gossip that gets published, because I'm a journalist, and that's probably why I'm here. Right. <laughs> Shall you. I pass on? Please do. Okay.
Well, I'm going <coughs> to come in from a completely different angle. I think I'm, I'm less interested in the architectural gossip, but I'm very interested in people. And I think that comes from 50 years of teaching and how many tens of thousands. Because I discovered fairly early on, I think I was fairly self-centered as a, maybe I still was early on. But then I, if you're teaching, you're either the sort of teacher who says, do this because I do it and it's good, or you're the sort of person who works through the, pers the person. And I think over the years, I've become more and more and more and more interested in people and watching their foibles and picking up on little tweaks. You know, sometimes you've got 100 to deal with. It's very hard. But if you've got, say, 20 over but a year... But then do you use that to tell someone else the things no, that No, I noticed? use it to tell myself how to So you're gossiping to, to yourself. I'm gossiping to myself. <laughs> and then, you then, of course, you do pick up odd salacious things or odd things that they have a or fetish. Or who's sleeping with who in the studio. Yeah, you, who's That's sleeping kind of with who, or who has a <laughs> fetish about dogs, or who, <laughs> you know, why... Is both of them are reading Schopenhauer, whatever it might be. And then you sort of work on it. So I use, I've been fascinated by people. And I also find that the only novels that I read, which is very few, are probably very unfashionable. I, I still read C.P. Snow, because he's very good on gossip. And, and the relationship between people's personality and what they then do. And the other author is Larry McMurtry, the American author, Texan who's very, very good on people. And if you, if you extrapolate that, and you look at people you know, and then you hear bits of gossip about similar sort of people, and then you look at, look at them again, and you... But do you ever you, use... In one, one of my great do you indulgences... you ever sell that gossip? Do you ever use it to ingratiate yourself? Uh, occasionally, <laughs> but not in its own... I'm more interested in the phenomenon... Understand. ...than passing it on. Uh, and that... Yeah, but it's, <laughs> I, I'm being honest. I mean, that's, that's my view of gossip. I'm interested in, I love salacious gossip. And the other thing is that 80, 85% of gossip is true. Yeah. There's very little gossip that doesn't have... There's a grain of truth. More than or a grain. more than Mostly a grain. Truth. I would say 85% of gossip is 70% true. That doesn't mean... <laughs> seriously. But what, what with, with, with my closest friends, what I also have indulged in is predictive gossip. Watch X and Y. What do you reckon? <laughs> Watch X and Y a month down the lane. Looks like. Watch X and Y another month. Told you. I mean, more times That's than not. That's prediction. That's it's prediction, different. but it's based upon it's the same... It's slightly more innocent. And it's it, slightly well, I'm not claiming innocence at all. I but know, but it's, you should, it's, nor it's, should it's, you. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the same. I think it's the same animal. I think that... It, I often use the term sniff. Yes. I yes. say the sniff. You sniff... Well, it. there is a rumour that you don't so much read books as write them. That's right. Is yeah. that true? Reading them is totally <laughs> tedious. <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Writing them is amusing, except now, you know, again, it's the same phenomenon that, that you uh, don't get paid American, anything to write American editors, they just turn it into time speak. And so that's also, you know, everybody's so fearful of litigation yes. that you can't say, you know, I think that this is a lousy street or whatever, because well, somebody say, why and can you prove that and you're going to be sued? Yes, yeah, they're terrible. Um, anyway, we're not in America, so thank God. Um, Sadie, Hello. welcome. <laughs> I hope you were delayed for um, gossipy reasons. I was. If I only wish I could say that I was. 
give me another gin and tonic and I'll tell you. Uh, well, my that's video the idea. To <laughs> 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 drink more <laughs> and thou shalt reveal. Now shalt, no, I, I I'm afraid I don't have anything terribly exciting. Well, I overshare is the first thing I might say. I, I'm you tell a, everybody I everything. tell everybody everything about myself. Um, well, do you I listen to when they're talking about themselves? I'd like to think so, yeah. You do. But I, uh, I definitely... I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, it's, uh, is it gossip or is it intelligence? Actually. Well, the gossip's the word. There it is, hot gossip. Yeah. It's there on the wall. So, so I mean, I think, I, you know, I, I'm sorry that I didn't hear what every, mo most of what everybody had to say. Um, and I think I, I just... I, when I was cycling here... Uh, I was thinking about um, uh, about the kind of gossip and architects and, you know, the fact that we have this sort of terrible, you know, everyone's, everyone thinks we're complete gossips. And, um, and on the face of it, we are, but actually I think there's a lot of love uh, that goes around and I think there's a lot of sharing that goes around and I think we're very good. Not necessarily, I mean, I think, think we gossip positively. I think if we gossip, if I gossip, I gossip because so I like maybe that's it. what hot gossip means. I think, I think, I think it might be. I think that, I think if there's some hot stuff that you need to let your friends know, um, then you but pass I, it on. Oh, that's my bell um, thing going off for Peter, so you're still all right for time. Well, but I mean, I think the point is we have a bad name. And yes, we are a bit weedy. And, uh, and we do need to stand up for ourselves. You said we were scared. Well, Amanda said and, that, uh, that, that, that... No, but I think the two things are the same. Uh, and I tend to agree. I think, I think we do need to stand up for ourselves and collaborate more and talk more and talk more about difficult, stressful things. Uh, and, uh, and yes, we are signed up to NDAs. And the freaking bloody official secrets act now so i can have, i can be hung drawn and quartered for gossiping yeah. um which is takes it yes, to a whole nother level has anyone been um, ever been sued for uh, uh revealing uh truths that they shouldn't have at a dinner party how does it work in terms of you know what your share amongst your I mean, friends think, over well, dinner as as i think this is something sorry no, I was just going to say that if, you know, it, it, there's something that's, there's positive gossip. Like, if you have a really crap client or you have a difficult, you know, th there's a lot of things you might want to share uh, that, yes, could, could be seen as but positive intelligence. But that's different. I think that gossiping has a kind of slightly malicious edge. And it's often, I mean, if you'd heard the, I don't know, th some inside uh, track on who'd won what competition and why and who was on the jury and maybe that could be tinged with hubris maybe oh god definitely especially which is not your kind of saying that gossip is all lovely and we all love it no, i'm and not we saying that i'm just it. i'm just trying and to put like a different share click share and it's the i'm same just trying to say thing. it's not all i mean all, all i'm trying to say is put it positive you know there is there is some pos there is positive gossip there is good gossip. Has anybody got any thoughts, negative thoughts about gossip? Is it, is it kind of poisonous? Is there, is there a... I, I was just going to say something in uh, relation to PRs. And, and Amanda is, is right to be uh, uh, suspicious. However, uh, the, the sort of demise of the print media is a whole different discussion. But one of the great things about PR, uh, about... Uh, uh, gossip, I should say, not about PRs, is that it's a it's a good backstop for people spouting their own 
positive press. And I think, uh, you know, gossipy gossip, hot gossip, people discussing things is not a bad thing. Uh, when when the sort of single message is put out there, it's it's a good thing for people to be having a, a bit of a gossip and a bit of uh, checks and balances. I mean, PRs don't like rumours because they can't control them. Um, so, I, it, it, you know, you may want a bit of gossip to get out about a particular client because it gives it's it's good for the client. But you don't want the wrong bit of gossip to get out about the client. You don't want the salacious stuff, do you? Well, what about, I mean, I don't think... What about I wouldn't dirty, get so excited, Neil, you know, about the sorry. salacious. What about... I, uh, a friend told me the other night was something I should know about already, but in the US, there's this thing called Dirty Men in Architecture, which is like a Me Too version. And kind of those people are going to be really terrified of being outed. And some names were but mentioned, by the way, at the dinner table. <laughs> yeah, but that's been, I mean, that's pretty old, all that Me Too stuff. I mean, a it lot is, of... It is, but it's continuing. It's still, it still kind of has value as gossip. But and Nigel, if that was in... it people down. But if, if BD or AJ or anyone printed that stuff and it wasn't true, they would be sued. So tell us... A, <laughs> Tell us about how BD used to bring in the lawyers. When would when would the when would legal advice be appropriate oh to actually? I don't cover think is anybody really interested. I'm asking. Okay, well, I mean, uh, <laughs> hands up. Who wants to know? I mean, it's not. Like, okay, okay. Well, you know, I have the thing is in this room. I have my first editor, and I have one of my old reporters here so it's kind of I feel a bit in the spotlight but I mean basically you what are dear yeah, I mean in the spotlight from from these two because he'll jump up and correct me on any, any legal thing and Elizabeth's writing it all down um, I guess what happened in the old days very broadly on BD because we were part of a big group and they had I mean they had um, they were sensible they had deep pockets they owned building and they owned property week and we had a lawyer and so on a Wednesday when we went to press and there was something that you just had a feeling about maybe because you knew that the architect was very litigious like Alford Hall Monaghan Morris you for example would, for example <laughs> you would ring your lawyer and you would fax over or email over the story and they would come back nine times out of ten say it's fine because you know libel law is very specific but I mean there's definitely you know I'm not going to give a little sort of seminar on libel but, no, no, but there's defamation if you if you said for example that so-and-so has lost the job or been kicked off the job and they and haven't they been, hadn't. you would be sued. Yes. Yeah? But isn't that, that's just good journalism. Absolutely. You I mean, be of course, true. I haven't said you should. No, but I think I'm there was a bit of, I think there's a bit of a misunderstanding generally, not, not, I mean, I just think that people kind of think that journalists will get, oh, they'll come back from the pub and they'll write it down and they'll say, oh, well, well, well No, but I and of remember, course you can't I do that. remember being grilled by you oh, several again. And I loved it because I love to oh, play the game. Good. And, uh, but I <laughs> knew that you would also be talking to other people and you'd be cross-referencing like mad to try to ascertain what was true or how to 
come at it as a journalist to actually put it in the public domain. I need, you just need to stand up your story. So if, some, if Elizabeth has come back with a story, and, or Paul has come back with a story, which was very frequent in sort of years and bloody years ago, and you'd roll in, you know, 4.30 in the afternoon, and say, I've got some stories for you here. You know, I've heard this from Stuart Lipton, I've heard this from this. And, and you know, the, the reporters would have to, like, find out if this story was right by ringing up other people to get them to verify it. And if you've got three sources for a story, you're, you're pretty safe. Exactly, but you need those three. But yeah. I'd just like to just move on from the PR journalism thing and go back to life in the office. Yeah, can I yeah. comment on I mean, surprisingly, I, I hear a lot of gossip from younger, younger people than myself, students and people who work for us, about who the shitface employers are. And it's really you get there, and 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 the stories are very consistent. I mean, I'll start with one. Oh, I can't remember his name, but you'll all know who he is. Uh, the guy who did this year's pavilion in the park, uh, the Japanese guy. I always forget his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the gossip I've heard is different. My Harvard students three years ago had had him before me, and they all complained. He only showed up twice. In the, in the semester, He's, and he would only contemplate them doing exactly what he drew them to do. And they thought he was a total asshole. We then had somebody who worked for us for a year at Crab, who then worked, worked for him for a year in Tokyo, and the follow-up was even more hair-raising. He is an absolute shit personality. He treats people badly. He's not only arrogant, he... Yeah, but he's, I mean, he is particularly fashionable. And I find myself, perhaps this is old-fashioned, I can't take his, I can't stand looking at his buildings because what I've heard about him as a person is so offensive that it gets, it's rather like that thing, you know, should, should Jews listen to Marler conversation? Uh, yeah, sorry, Jews listen to, to sorry, Barbara. It's that conversation that the, that the personality gets in the way of however talented they may be. What there are, coming into London, I mean, there's certain people who have the reputation of being chip faces. And there are p the odd person, I'm on, I'll mention one, which is uh, er Eric Parry, has the reputation of being really nice to work for. Yes, and again, he's a lovely my man. sampling, you know, because I have so many students and I, I tend to listen to the young. <laughs> is he one of your clients? <laughs> <laughs> well done, they, man. They <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, it's the reportage is from people of different ages, different times. If, if you find over the years, people... But of course, the rumor machine works over the time, over time when mm -hmm. either students are deciding where, which schools they want to go mm -hmm. to because there are going to be all sorts of rumors going around about the graduates from those schools and what the teachers are like and how well mm. you did there and whether it's worthwhile or not. Is it a sausage factory, Bartlett, <laughs> or, or what? Um, and then when they come to go to work in offices, of course that rumor, and let's call it gossip, uh, is going to shape their career path. But what is odd, I find, is that again, you know, I, I very often get asked by people graduating or people who been doing year out this whatever. Who should I work for? And then and they, they name three or four names, and you say, "Well, so and so's an asshole. So and so will work you all, you know, every weekend and all night, 
so-and-so is nice, but why don't you think... But no, because the, the branding thing is so strong that they will even, having been fully informed, not only by me, but perhaps three other people, but so-and-so is an asshole, they'll still go there because they want that name on their CV. Of and course. that is a phenomenon that has increased so that there's this, the, in a way, reputation. We've become well, a little bit kind of... On the subject of, of reputation, yeah. I, I, uh, just over the road is the London School of Architecture and I wrote a piece for their new magazine called Citizen about queer space. And in that article, I, when I was writing it, I thought, what, what is, uh, where does queer space lie in the world of practice in architecture? And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that um, Norman Foster's buildings were the queerest of all. Because they're tough, they're kind of heavy metal, there's kind of real kind of kit in the buildings. But what convinced me was his Instagram post of him in a giant unicorn, multicolored, rainbow, <laughs> uh, blow-up boat. So I've kind of generated my own little kind of gossip fantasy about him as, uh, as, as the quintessential queer architect. No Can anyone <laughs> add to that? <laughs> well, I, yeah. Look, we've only got yeah, two microphones, but we, we want to share them. Who wants to speak? Please just come forward if you need to speak. I can see somebody eating spaghetti. <laughs> Linguine. <laughs> Why has only one person got a tooth? Two, three. Okay. <laughs> Any? Yeah, I have a question. Um, one thing I think is interesting, because Nigel, you mentioned the uh, shitty men in architecture list, as it, and I think it's a really interesting example of how, compared with what Peter's talking about, this idea that, you know, like, these stories go around and, you know, younger people in your office are talking about who's good to work for, who's bad to work for. This is like a huge, you know, shared data, uh, you know, like spreadsheet. And it only took one person to sort of write in that someone was you know, behaved, behaved badly. badly and is shared with God knows how many people and the sort of virality of the internet means that you know it's it's not like in the office where like a few people tell the story and it starts to kind of build momentum you know one person suggests it and it's out there in the world and I think possibly that sort of virality of the internet you know the same with sort of social media probably means that people are more fearful than ever to you know allow gossip about them to spread you know maybe sort of 10 years ago, if something bad got printed in BD, you sort of hope that some people didn't read it that week and, you know, that maybe sort of like, <laughs> you maybe, maybe it might get swept under the carpet, but sort of the way that the internet works now means that no one misses those stories. But don't you think there's lots of information that disses people in positions of power, which is too toxic to actually ever appear on Twitter or uh, on Instagram? I mean, as a journalist, I did not print anything that was in that list because I was, I have no idea where those sources well, there come is from. A, but isn't there a sort of conspiracy of silence about certain people? I mean, I know Terence Conran used to pin his secretary over the photocopier and everyone knew that that mm. was the case, but he just carried on doing it. But and I now it doesn't sort of matter, <laughs> but he did. <laughs> <laughs> But I think the thing about that list is, you know, when like 
in the. <laughs> <laughs> I think in sort of the orders, you know, when you have sources, you're kind of going out and about, you know, you, like Amanda says, you're going out to lunches, you're having conversations, you know who your sources are. You yes, but you I still them. think that it's kind of more, almost more interesting underneath the radar of, of the media that it's, of course, certain stuff gets onto Twitter and Instagram and, mm. and Facebook. But there's another kind of gossip, which is literally over dinner, and it's kind of you know, it's said uh, in, 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 in a private environment. Uh, Paul, do you, what, what's your perspective on the private versus the, the public? Well, it's all the best stories. And the... the, the Journalists. <laughs> I think one can make a broad distinction about gossip. Which, uh, to me, gossip is, picking up Peter's point, is it, always about people. I mean, gossip about institutions doesn't make any sense. It has to be about the president, not the institute. It has to be about people in the practice. It yes, can't yes, just yes. be, you know, ab about the office. And what that means is, because it's about people, people tell you things about people, and sometimes you can just run a diary story because you kind of trust the person who told you. It's not libelous. It might be embarrassing which is not libelous. Well, like with and Prince Andrew right that now. That sort of thing. And it might, well, no, not <laughs> Prince Andrew, but, but, but the um, best of all, it's either extraordinarily unlikely. So a perfect kind of gossip story is, what is the juxtaposition of the unexpected. The person, the situation, the outcome, and you just think, my God, that couldn't have happened, could it? But it's stated there as a fact and that's why gossip is sort of so juicy. Now, if there's other sort of gossip, which with some more work and a bigger headline is a front page news story. There was a famous diarist on the Times called Angela Gordon, and she got better stories in her diary column every day than they were printing on their front page. They were fantastic. But doesn't, but doesn't Private Eye do the same thing now, where yes, it disguises it at gossip, but often it's actually going to the heart of, uh, of, of, of political turmoil and bad behaviour. Yes, we're talking about naughty people. Private Eye used to have a famous award. They don't do it anymore. It was the Private Eye Shit of the Year Award. <laughs> um, and the reason that they could dish this out, and they used to say why they dished it out, and they would describe some of the behaviour that led to somebody becoming Shit of the Year. And the thing is, you cannot sue for libel over for what's calling called... calling someone a shit. No, that you cannot sue for libel over what is called vulgar abuse and calling somebody a Which ship, is also not allowed in there's, Parliament. There's plenty, you can't, exactly so. Now, you can, there are plenty of other phrases you can use, but provided it's vulgar abuse, you cannot be sued. So it's like Amanda's <laughs> point. There are protections for the diarist and the relayer of gossip, um, and they go so far. I was sued twice over diary items. The first one was the... <laughs> architectural correspondent of The Observer, uh, who had, had written some scathing criticism um, of some dreadful commercial architecture down in Southwark um, on, on the North Bank uh, by St. Martin's Property Corporation, which was uh, owned by, um, uh, not Qataris, but anyway, it was Saudis, I think. And um, Stephen Gardner 
He told me this story, by the way. He'd been approached by the government of the said Middle East country. And it was put to him that wasn't it time that somebody wrote a magnificent architectural history of all the great contemporary architecture coming out of the said country? And <laughs> he'd been relayed this message by Prince Sultan Al-Nahid or something or other. Bin something he or readily other. agreed to produce this pile of rubbish which came out as a wonderful coffee table book. You know, the great architecture of whichever country it was. And... Um, we reported this story. The first thing that really annoyed him, we described him as the aging observer <laughs> architecture <laughs> correspondent. He rang up in an absolute fury and said, how dare you call him me aging? And I said, well, Stephen, none of us are getting any younger. And he just slammed the phone down. He certainly couldn't, he certainly couldn't sue over that. Unfortunately for us, we had run in our diary column. We'd asked readers to write in and say, we've heard about this forthcoming coffee table book which will mean that you will never hear any criticism from Stephen Gardner of that dreadful architecture on the banks of the Thames in Southwark anymore. Has anyone got any suggestions about what the title should be called? And somebody wrote a letter in, which we should never have published, saying, why don't you call it the John Polson story? <laughs> now, John Polson, for younger people here, which is most of you, was a corrupt architect who was jailed for bribery and all sorts of naughty things back in the 1970s. And, of course, when Stephen saw that, he knew he was going to get a, a holiday courtesy of building design, and we had to pay him five grand and his legal costs. The other one, very briefly, Muriel Gray, a very witty sort of Scottish kind of art critic and, you know, cultured person. She did this program on TV about fakes... And we wrote a diary item saying that she herself was a fake because she spent all her time in London and was never seen in Scotland and all her interest in Scottish architecture was a complete phony. She sued us and uh, we immediately agreed to apologise. But her lawyers had never asked for any payment whatsoever, including of their own legal fees. So we published the apology. Her lawyers then threatened to sue us again because we refused to pay their legal fees and our lawyers took massive delight in telling those Scottish lawyers the equivalent of fuck off but in very nice legal language. But you can get sued, it doesn't happen now because people are so bloody frightened to publish anything. You know, we don't even have libel insurance anymore, it's that bad. It does indeed. But just tilting once again away from the media, I'm interested in the gossip that happens in the, in the morning in the office where you're kind of sitting and having coffee uh, and you, know, you never guess what I heard last night. Has anyone uh, got anything to add to the office environment and how, how certain truths are shared either by the partners or by other people working in the office? Is this a, does it happen? Or is it not happen? Unless anybody else wants it. You've just got to be okay, a bit um, more, you know, um, stick your hands up and we'll bring you the mic. I think there's only three of us here tonight, but I th and I think it's all me, Hugh and Paolo. We all worked at Harper Mackay. Harper Mackay were known for um, quite a lot of gossip in 
in the well, late nineties. Well, because it was 90s. a big office. It was big. It was about thirty people at one point. But um, everything the, the the BD used to talk about, and everybody, everything that um, used to be gossiped about in St John's, was probably true, and then some. And you never knew what to expect in the office. It was a good office to work for because it was exciting. And we used to have people come up to us and saying, I can't believe you're working at Harper Mackay. It must be great fun. Stories all the time. Everybody was sleeping with everyone. There was fights. There was drinking. There was people in the gutter at six in the morning. Um, and it was very much of those Clerkenwell days. I think that happens less now. I think younger architects have this issue with gossip, which maybe they're not going out having long lunches, maybe they're not finding out more about other people, or maybe the offices are a little bit dry and a little bit boring. But I also think there's a lot of younger architects maybe worried that if they get a bad rap and a client or a potential client hears about it and they might lose a job, they're a bit too panicked so by that. So they're less inclined mm. to gossip. Is that true? Come on, reveal a bit more, please. Somebody. Because I have been working up and downing, so I know uh, the David Harper quite well. Yes, I know quite well. Uh, I mean, so the he's gossip. telling the truth. It is. I mean, if it's similar office, he's I suppose where it's coming it from. Yes, the situation was quite uh, exuberant by the end of the day. You know, the week were always coming with some new stories. But I mean, overall, I kind of felt the idea that gossips uh, should stray away from the idea of how people just interact with each other because. Peter Cook kind of made uh, some nice points about having a conversation where gossip becomes a share of information and knowledge that can be positive and negative. Obviously, there is the fact that a uh, very hot gossip where everyone kind of wakes up in the morning and says, okay, have you seen what happened last night? Boom, let's put some, a veil of sadness upon someone because it's so easy to put this sorts of Na names and words about someone because we want to feel better because it's entertaining to it's the people entertaining, but because they make other people feel better by themselves so i think it's easier to put you know shame someone they actually put ever uh, you know say oh how good the other person was which actually is a gossip but people are afraid in architecture people are afraid about people saying this is actually better than me you know and it's a gossip it's a positive gossip but people should try to do it a little bit more rather than saying, okay, how bad the other when person was. When someone worked. else has done what you would like to have done, but better than you can. Yeah, I think it could, it could you know, it's an information. Let's say it's some kind of sharing of information or knowledge or some sort what of story. What about when another architect got a, got a praise for something that they'd copied from someone else? Yes, okay, there's another story altogether. I mean, I was trying to keep a little bit more to the point of how do we differentiate the idea of a basic knowledge, uh, the old gossips, okay? Then yes, there are those situations where you find yourself um, against the wall and say, okay, those people have really cut corners, they, they got to the end, while we try to do our best, and we went through the, you know, uh, all of the rules and regulations they were to do, and others, because they know people, they managed to cut through corners and they, and they won. And that's, well, sometimes it's a story. Uh, see, I think I'm a bit confused at the idea of what actually a gossip is in architecture, because we had lots of different opinions about it. So, 
I don't know if everyone is clear about the Agia or gossiping. In well, in that's sense why we're talking about it. That it's quite a multifaceted uh, uh, phenomenon, isn't it? It is. Uh, indeed, it is. I mean, it's, it's very many ways wide to come at conception. it. Pardon? The many ways to come at it. People have been killed. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> oh, uh, for for <laughs> unwise gossip. Like if you, I was in the Uffizi Gallery the other day, and there's a painting by Botticelli of King Midas, and there's uh, 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 this poor prisoner called Calumny is being dragged by the hair towards Midas because he's rumored to have said bad things about the king, and of course he was going to be. <laughs> yes. So it, it, it does run a risk. That is, um, uh, uh, has anyone actually said anything about others that they regret? Like, uh, oh, I sorry, I wasn't going to answer that question. No. I was, say, I was just going to say, um, I think the reality is, is absolutely... I haven't heard any good gossip for so long. I just think it's totally it's boring. It's not around it's so much. It's just totally... I mean, I think there's a lot of good gossip, like I was saying, like, you know, intelligence, as in, um, you know, who you should work for, who you shouldn't work for, who's a shit, who isn't a shit, who pays... You know, all that kind of stuff. That's not really gossip. That's just being clever and having some kind of shared intelligence. I spend my life more and more with people who use gossip... Uh, in order to look really cool, and That's it's just yeah, that was one it's of my just first so points. pathetic. And um, I, I often sit around tables, and before we have to, you know, before we get to anything useful, we spend 15 minutes talking, main, mainly men, talking about what exciting, amazing political, um, you know, or whatever person they might have bumped into, had conversations with, and it's you just sit there thinking, really. But do people we, find that endlessly through? entertaining. No, that's what. But that's what soap operas are based no, on. On because the it's not all they're doing is saying, "Aren't I important? Look who I know. Don't you think I'm cool?" True. And and frankly, no. Currently, because we've heard it all. But we've heard it all before, and there isn't anything. I, I don't think anyone's told me anything one to one that I haven't heard. You know, in a kind From of someone else. <laughs> as the other thing, and then the other, just very quickly before I pass it over, um, it, there is a serious point to this, and I think that when it comes to useful sharing, useful information and gossiping, um, you can, you know, then as an industry we start to get somewhere. When we have Chatham House rules conversations where you're able to talk about stuff, people that you know learn some lessons, you know, and understand some some positives that come out of shit stuff that happens then then i think we start to get somewhere and if we you want to call it gossip you want to call it whatever it is but a lot of the time it isn't gossip it's pontificating and when it's when it's useful gossip then you can take it away and do something positive with it but otherwise i think frankly it's a waste oh, of time that, but i think that sort of puts the puts the, hits the nail on the head about gossip is not necessarily useful well, I mean, I, I, I just, you, I mean, the gentleman who just spoke before just said, you know, he wasn't sure what gossip is. And I think that's something, I, I mean, everybody will have different views on what gossip is. But for me, gossip is when two people or three people, but normally two people, are together having an informal conversation and one person shares information that they probably shouldn't have shared with that person yes. at the time. That is gossip. And that is traditional. You know, all this stuff wrong. that Sadie's talking about, which I completely 
completely kind of sympathise with, you know, just big men, you know, willy stuff, is just um, boring. <laughs> um, it's not stories, it's, it's, it's boring. Men do a hell of a lot of that. Um, that's funny, men think Men, yeah, weird that, that, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but, 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 you know, that, that is gossip, and, and it's trading, and I think that that's, girls are really good at it. Um, there's, it's funny, yeah, they, they sort of are and aren't, but we haven't got time to go into that. But I think, um, I mean, that's why I think it's kind of important that this, the gossip thing continues, because it is a way of getting information out. You know, inform, it's getting this, these informal conversations get important stuff out. I mean, let's face it, Harvey Weinstein was a gossip story. You know, it took the New York Times and the New well, Yorker to break that story. Him. Well, maybe you did, Nigel. I did. Cause yeah, I well, you move in I such did. elevated no, circles. No, 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 not that. Everyone in the movie industry knew about yeah. that. Can I just, uh, just on the gossip's not happening uh, situation, I just don't believe that. I just don't buy it. I think some of us here are just too old to be getting the good gossip. That's why you're not <laughs> hearing it. Because gossip <laughs> happens often at lower levels where people are, are sharing information. Because And so the idea that people go to work and don't share gossip, I just think is, is bogus. I'm, they're, they're doing it all the time in different ways. Agreed. Thoughts? I actually just have one question to sort of counter the, the professional PR. And I think especially here in London, it's, it's very professionalized and very outsourced. And you, Leanne, are part of the, um, the phenomenon. Not the problem, <laughs> the phenomenon. But um, I um, studied in the Netherlands and worked over there. And I worked in the PR department of OMA and my partner, who, who I met in Rotterdam, he worked in the PR department of MVRDV. So, and these are full-time in-house PR departments. And would you not think that maybe outsourcing that PR function means that there's, I don't know, less quality gossip? I mean, every time the, 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 the head of PR of MBRDV when he's in London, we go and have dinner with him, and the stories are amazing, but that's because he's there 24-7 with the partners, with the interns in the office, whereas you know, you've got tens of clients personally, maybe you oversee the whole business, so you don't quite have that, you know, microscopic view of things, possibly. It's more about just the gossip, you know, who's doing what, who's going to work with unsavory regimes, um, but do you think that, that sort of do stuff. you think gossip is juicier in larger architectural organizations? It's not necessarily if juicier in larger architectural organizations, three, but it's gossip's really limited, but it's, isn't it? But it's possibly juicier in organizations where the PR is maybe in house. That's more the the issue. If you if you're a PR and you you know you take care of you know ten offices um, stuff, you're not really there with them. But if you're an in-house PR, and then you go out with some of your journalist friends. You know that office front to back, as it were. That's all. Gossip as a profession. Ex yeah, exactly. The, 
that's right. We're confusing sort of an organised PR program with what gossip is. And gossip is naughty. It's passing on information Agreed. that you're not meant to. And that happens at every single level. That happens, I mean, I used to get most of the gossip from my office from my cleaner because... He, Jimmy had been there for 15 years. He knew exactly <laughs> what was going on, who was doing what to who, when they weren't, all of those sorts of things. So uh, it's, you know, I think it's a very human thing and we love to trade it because we all want to sound important and, and excite someone. I mean, it's really exciting. As Sadie said, you know, she's, she needs some gossip. You know, we all, we all well, sit there. Well, she kind of trashed it. She put it in the litter bin. Good gossip. <laughs> good gossip is exciting and thrilling and all of those sorts of things. And that's why everybody does it. That's why postmen, milkmen, all of those sorts of people all trade in gossip. So the idea that an organized PR function is going to fix your gossip problem is just, it's just not going to happen. So in the moment that a gossip becomes hot is because someone is not follow the normal path and then this, the person stands out of the, uh, of, of the crowd and therefore it becomes someone special in some way, whether in a bad or a, or a good light. So the aim of a gossip, that's what I, my question was, is, is it to actually trying to identify someone, identify a story? What is the real, for you, for example? I mean, is it more about the story or is it about getting someone? I mean, some, uh, sorry, the gentleman said that ultimately you always said to put a face to a gossip. Because a gossip about a story becomes just a story. It's not a gossip anymore. So what is the ultimate aim of gossiping? you what is the outcome yeah no the aim of the gossiping aim. for example in architecture self-engrandizement what to the person that gets gossip because ultimately that person gets the reward because either gets a, a people talking about someone so me and you're gossiping about someone but the only person that gains out of it is that person because that get person gets fame of some sort so it might get trashed totally <laughs> unjustifiably for sleeping with the wrong person. Yeah, obviously. But, but then it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's down to you. You, know, you knew what you were doing before you did it. So uh, it, gossiping in that moment doesn't really uh, help your situations. It's just so about two people. I think that there is an intrinsic outcome out of a gossip that makes that person... Because I gossip to you about him. Then you say instead about him, that person becomes an idol of some sort. In a better good I'm life, not so sure that it works like that. No, no, <laughs> no. I, know. I think the the, uh, the the subject of the gossip can be can be uh, trashed uh, uh, and and actually be taken down rather so than necessarily. So you a negative point. Well, I mean, maybe the Oscar Wilde quote was said that it didn't matter what people said about you; it was just better to be talked about than not. Which is sort of yeah. um, uh, a uh, kind of rule of the press, isn't it? Yeah. But I it's not. Doesn't mean to say that people can't. What about Ratners? You remember that those stores with the the tr the, uh, the guy who owned Ratners, uh, the jewelers, High Street jewelers, admitted that what he was selling was crap, and within six months, all his chain had collapsed. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what what you're saying about the idol thing? Sorry, um, I, I kind of disagree with as well, and I agree with Nigel. I don't think that's the aim. I don't think that's the product. And I want to clarify that thing about 
David Harper and Ken Mackay, they were they they they, they enjoyed that kind of mid late 80s mid 90s success in architecture in Soho, Soho. They were in Soho a lot of the time. End of story. That meant Groucho. That meant drinking. That meant all sorts of degeneration. That was what their life was. Then the gossip gets worse and worse and worse. There's affairs, there's fighting, all sorts of stuff. And it was all true. And drugs, plenty of drugs too. They were not idols of anyone who worked there. None at all. None at all. But I think there's I think another. I think there's another aspect, which is boredom. I think many, many people, particularly you know, in offices, let's say, are bored. They they want to live through somebody else's life, yeah. and therefore I think then I come back to my thing of inventing gossip, or at least speculative gossip. It's fascinating. I mean, it for me, somebody has to be really, really boring, and there are people who you can't speculate upon. And the sort of middle-range people who are sort of a bit boring, but then you start <laughs> sniffing at certain things. You watch little, it's, you watch tiny points. And you start, and, and once, if you're onto something, it gets really good because the sort of obviously sort of sex, drugs, and rock, rock and roll people are sort of out there and they're a bit, a bit boring in a funny way. But this, this person who's a li the little mouse figure, male or female, you watch the mouse, you watch the mouse with another mouse, and, and it can be really, really intriguing if, if you can watch the case. It's rather like those sort of slow movies or novels where, you know, there isn't an obvious her hero or heroine at the beginning, and you watch, or, 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 or another thing, again, speaking as a sort of teacher, you watch the little almost creepy character who, who's at the back and, the, and the, the person with the big voice and the person with the great talent, they're out there and they do stuff. And you watch the little creepy character and maybe, maybe, maybe... I, I don't know. I would, like, I would like to think other people watching it, but I suspect many people don't because they, 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 they need you guys to, to, to give them you know, the, the stuff up front. But in the end, you say, okay, so-and-so's landed this big job and they fucked up somebody else. But watching the creepy character in the corner come alive, I mean, we, we have quite a lot of uh, Asian people working with us, and that's very weird because they're, they're terribly quiet. But you know, but you know, once you get to know them, really, they're up to everything you can think of. <laughs> and I was just telling you, maybe I'll, I'll tell this quick, quick. A week ago, I was in a room in a town in China, and the hostess was running this restaurant, but a small restaurant, unlike this one. It only had us in it. It was exquisitely designed. It had smoke in the garden to make you feel as if you're in a cloud, etc., etc. The owner, married to a very rich person who enabled her to run restaurants and run art events, she had two of her lovers there as part of her entourage, her Japanese lover and her young Chinese lover. Her best friend is the mistress of a guy who's been kicked out of China because he's in the triads. Uh, unfortunately, I had to leave town, and I don't know, but. You didn't even know, you know, there was enough to, to work on. Now, that's what I call extreme situation. 
I'm, which is the opposite of watching little, little, Mr. little Mr. Mouse in the corner. Both are fascinating, but this was, one was in your face and it wasn't even in your own town. And, and God, you, you know, one's tongue, what, what else, what else, you know? Are the guns outside? Are the drugs under the table? What, what, what's next? And then you have to fly out. <laughs> I was going to say Li that... Living in your yeah. own soap opera, in a sense, that's kind of a pleasure then, isn't it? Yeah. Is to hear this thing from that person and someone, something else from the other person. I just, I just wanted to say there's another BB editor here. <laughs> oh, no! It's <laughs> popular. <laughs> in true, yes. Uh, there, there's, I, I was going to say the thing that distinguishes good gossip from other kinds of information is um, it's person to person. It's not mediated by a screen. You don't get good gossip via email. It's like moments of intimacy, even if they're temporary, where people let things out because you've formed a connection that um, they shouldn't have said. And that doesn't happen if it's mediated by technology. Very so you often. mean like something you've heard about Patrick Schumacher that you haven't read on disease? <laughs> Yeah, there's a different <laughs> quality <laughs> of it. <laughs> of course. Yeah, so it's not interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the no, exactly. This, you want to know the other stuff that's not there. I've got a good yeah. Patrick Schumacher one. Go on. um, <laughs> yeah. Um, huh? Sorry, I'll. I'll just a quick one. I'll pass it back, Rob. Sorry. Um, Patrick came to two Negroni talks. First one, um, he came, was great, really good. Second one coincided when the news broke that he was earning 5.4 million a year. Yeah, he didn't pay for any drinks when he was here. Where? Somebody down there. Who is it? Hello, Oliver. You've been very quiet. <laughs> Hi, I'm, I'm uh, from Argent. So possibly, who else works for a client? Right, okay, shit. Um, just to say that I think one of the things you guys may or may not realize, because you're all in it, is that outside of your industry, especially at the junior levels, we see you as like, dare I say it, cad monkeys, or at the best, people that build things that last for hundreds of years. And so I think gossip is something that really humanizes your industry. And I think it's one way of crossing the border from you know all of the architects in the room, 60 of you talking to each other, to something that developers might pick up on. And when we are thinking about who to invite for a competition or who to give a brief to, in a way, it's the Oscar Wilde quote again. If we've heard that someone leading a practice has a freaky opinion or has maybe slept with someone they shouldn't have, and um, I'm not going to bring Joe Morris into this, um, it does bring them up, up our radar. And to an extent, like any artist, which you all think you are, if you're being talked about, it means you're making a cultural contribution. And that's all I have to say. <laughs> S 
to I was sorry, I was just I was just gonna s I I don't wanna talk now because I thought that was a really interesting point. So um and I was gonna slightly change the subject. Um but hold that thought and I don't know if anyone else wants to respond to it because I haven't got anything clever to say other I than I can give you my list of all the boys I've I, I was just thinking on the side. Get me a job. Also important that the, the best gossip really isn't actually about your professional position or the w the stuff that might be discussed at a higher level. It's about personal relationships, as Peter said, which is not necessarily architectural. It's kind of the underworld to the to the uh, official conversation. Well, sorry, the only other thing I was going to bring in is the whole new dimension that we have to deal with of social media, which is, uh, you know, what are the limits that you should go to in terms of scouring social media uh, as a potential employer and a potential employee? Because obviously there's things now like Glassdoor. I just, I just Googled it now to check there wasn't anything about me on there. But on Glassdoor, you can see what every disgruntled employee has said about their employer, which is very interesting. So that's, a new one. that's a new one. Well, check it. We'll check Nigel Coates on Glassdoor in a moment. Um, but also, um, you know, how much is it appropriate to look at, you know, someone's Facebook before you hire them? Uh, certainly when we get a new client, I will go through everything, what's their LinkedIn profile, what's, you know, just find out who the hell they are, who I'm talking to, who I'm dealing with. But you have to be aware that the boot is on the other foot and that people are going to be doing that back to you. And I think you just have to take, I personally have to take a view that whatever you say in whatever medium is on the record. There is no any more off the record and you've just got to like tough that out a little bit, I think, and not be, not be cowed by it. I, I think, but I think that that is where the NDA thing comes very strongly through and it's a real bore because if you know that any single piece of information, you're the only possible source that that could have come from, you just have to be really careful about yeah, that. It's not just NDAs, is it? Because I think architects, and I don't think it's just architects, but we're all, okay, we're all, um, and I, but I think architects are particularly sensitive about it. Um, being, having, a, expressing a view on trans or you know climate change or, or something and being taken down on social media I think that um, I mean it's not really quite gossip but it's kind of like going back to this thing about conversations and saying something when you're off guard and you know you've had a couple of drinks and you you know it, it gets into the wrong it gets into the wrong hands now I don't think BD or you know any of the other publications would have done that particularly no, not malicious, but I think the problem now, which you've just talked about, is kind of everything is everywhere. And this point that somebody made about, Rob made about, you know, you've got to do it face to face. Because ultimately, everything you write is, you know, your, your Facebook, your, your WhatsApp. Uh, well, WhatsApp's supposedly encrypted, but it's all out there. So you have to do face-to-face. -face. And nobody is doing face-to-face. -face. So that gossip, that stuff that we're talking about, just isn't getting done because nobody's going out the office. Nobody's having the meetings. It's getting done in the office. But who frankly cares unless we can read about it? I mean, I watched um, Amber Rudd on Andrew Marr 
the other mo- the other morning on Sunday morning, and Andrew Marr was basically mining for gossip. He was asking for the inside track on what was going on in Johnson's government, and she sort of you know played it politically as she she's going to. I wonder whether there's an interface between gossip and whistleblowing that the architect should actually occupy. I mean, we are in a time of uh, where you have climate change uh, issues, you have social. Uh, you know, the one versus the ninety-nine percent. What is architecture doing in terms of those kind of bigger issues? Should architects actually blow the whistle on what's actually going in on into inside of their own profession and in the face of the NDAs that you were talking about? I suppose as a question. Oh, I got two. <laughs> Who wants one of them? Um. I'll just say that the last interview that I went to, as I walked out the door, I was asked um, if I would like to comment on social, my social media. And I'm like, oh, fuck, have they seen my Burning Man pictures? And, um, uh, uh, and I said, sure. We're on 48. You know, what, I, what am I supposed to say? And uh, they said, it's just I have a list of all your tweets here. I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) But you can surmise that I've just been put on the board of something, and that was the last interview I had. So, but but it's the same with any political job that I've ever been for. The same question that I'm asked. So, the first time that I went and had a job in government, as I walked out the door, they said, "Is there anything that might embarrass government?" You know, is there an, an, anything you. that... Yeah, and I'm like... you've done. Hell yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> uh, you know, and I literally... When you ask that question, when you get to my age, I'm just like thinking, <laughs> what do they mean? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, seriously, because I'm completely... This, the first time I, I was asked, I was completely naive to this. I'm thinking, do they mean drugs? Do they mean sex? Do they mean, I, you know, what do they mean? And, um, and I just looked like a rabbit in headlights and said, oh. <laughs> you know, and I, I and ran out the door. How long before you realised? I, I ran out the door and I phoned a friend and I said, "Could you please tell me what did they mean?" And they said, "Sadie, do you pay your tax?" And I went, "I do freaking pay my tax." And he said, "You're fine." And do not have a criminal record. I didn't even ask about my criminal record. <laughs> 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 but um, but just very just sorry. Just before we move on, I was just thinking about. A safe space, actually, to gossip, and um, and and I have just come back from my third Burning Man, and there is something amazing about being in a space where you are with, you hear the most extraordinary stories and the most incredible gossip, and 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 because you are what at Burning Man? Yeah, no, because you're surrounded by people who because they because, because it's the, unmediated. You're no, with no, a lot. The rule is the rule is you. It's like you know when when on tour or whatever you boys do on tour stays on tour. Kind of. I mean, it's the same kind of. It's the same level of discretion, which is you can talk about anything, but you do not pass it on. And and I have to say, there's something extraordinarily freeing about having a really open conversation one-to-one with people about stuff that you are happy to share. And as I said, I pretty much share most things in my life. I'm an oversharer. And, um, but you, it's nice to be able to do that in an environment where you know it's not going to come back to bite you and somebody doesn't say, here's a list of all the things <laughs> that you've had a conversation. I'm like, really? I mean, is it really that interesting? But so, so I think there's also, it's important to have space where you can gossip safely. 
I mean, I know Which that is what the kind new. of gentlemen's clubs were about originally, I don't know, wasn't but it? I that they were, they were safe maybe, spaces where... Maybe I've never experienced that before. Or Groucho's or plenty of... Club, or even no, this no, one I don't here. Do any of that sort of we're, stuff. We're sort of but in yeah, a safe exactly. world here. Are we? I don't know. I, I mean, you know, there's how many journalists huh? are here all writing it up? Probably not. I found airplanes are weird. I've been next to somebody who I knew sort of several times. People I didn't know immensely well, but knew to some extent. And they will long tell you long haul uh, or even oh, really short. Good. And they Possibly. really start talking. You know, they have a couple of drinks and they're up in the air. And suddenly you hear all about their love life, you, exactly. their childhood, their phobias. And then, and actually, you don't repeat it. It's funny. It's, you, you keep it in the air. Uh, but the, it's amazing the, the number of times people, I don't know what it is, does something to your head. Or because you're. That, that even though it's an unlikely situation, that you've actually built up a, an atmosphere of trust in this, on this, well, on the plane. You know that well. No, maybe not. But the but but the situation is conducive to trust, mm. because you only reveal stuff that is. Did you reveal anything about yourself? Probably. <laughs> yeah, quite probably. Well, this is more than once. So, so do, do we th we think that gossip then has changed? There aren't the personalities as well. I think that's something Peter and I were talking about. There's no Zaha, there's no Will, there's no Cedric. Well, there's the, the, about there Zaha, but Zaha, there's plenty of gossip now about what Zaha oh. did and didn't do in her life. Well, hold on. And now I mean, there is a story about Zaha Hadid Architects, which is a dynamite story. And can anybody write it? But, but just because... Well, we, we, know, well, we know what the story is. I mean, it's the story about the big financial, you know, what's happened to the trust and the, the whole... Yeah. But you it know, has been written about... No, I'm not. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, I mean, that story is kind of totally locked down legally. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of thinking, why isn't somebody... But that's because Zaha was, became so... Uh, it's not so, but, but sorry, isn't isn't the point? Isn't the point of gossip? So, of course, I know okay. what you're talking so, so about. So you're just showing what how gossip works. So just because it's not <laughs> in the press, you you're all talking, and well, we're I not. Think everybody in this room would know what we're slightly talking about. But but the, but isn't the point of gossip? Yeah. If we go back to the point of gossip, it's about that intimacy where you you guys obviously know exactly what you're talking about. So you will gossip about it somewhere else. So just because it's not published doesn't mean that the gossip's not happening. No. So no, no. Yeah, all the more the case that it is happening. Because it's not. Yeah. No, your point. I mean, Leanne made the point about the, you know, the, the gagging clause, and this is exactly where this gagging clause has come in, because we cannot really. Got, I mean, I don't think Peter, unless he, I got him really drunk, is going to tell me. No, 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 that, no, it's too hot. It's yeah, too it's too. He's not going to tell me. Right. And actually, even if I got it and I took it to someone, they're going to go. But you know, this is legally. We can't do this story. But this is a really well. It's really also because all of that, all of the what you're referring to, is ongoing, and therefore it has a extra oh. toxic dimension because history hasn't reflected on it. We are, and even though she's no longer with us, bless her, she she her her aura continues, and that's partly what makes it a kind of focus of stories around. Yeah. Much that happened. Okay. 
think there's one story we're all referring to, which is um, we, we, we won't continue talking about because it's sort of silly. But I mean, I'm just that is a very good example of gossip, um, gagging clauses, celebrity, people being in the know, people having information, people maybe not having the right information, and not being able to publish. It's a kind of perfect gossip story. And I think it has, I mean, uh, Paul and I talked about this the other day. It's kind of like she is, it is kind of something would be very interesting to get to the bottom of because I think um, Zaha, who we all kind of admired, I don't think she'd be particularly. I don't need to, but she wouldn't be particularly happy with what's going on. I think there's a distinction between um, gossip and hard news. And although it's true that gossip and rumour may well be the basis by which journalists discover things about what are major stories, actually, they're kind of too big to be gossip. I mean, at a trivial level, you know, the funniest thing I've heard this evening is Patrick, who actually, he doesn't get paid five million a year. He's taking a big deferred payment from like three years or something. He still gets paid plenty. But the fact that he didn't buy a drink in it, I think, is very, very funny. And uh, you should never discount that people want to be amused with gossip stories. The reason that magazines and newspapers have gossip columns is to build their circulation. That's the only reason. That's it. That's the reason. There's no moral purpose in revealing gossip or doing lots of hard work on it. The only aim of it is to get people reading you and not somebody else. But Paul, I completely disagree with that point you've just made. I'm sorry. But I mean, you know, one of the ways which you surely should know as a former editor of BD and AJ is that one of the ways that journalists get stories, one of the ways, is via gossip. I mean, those stories you know, may end up in the gossip section of the magazine or the paper, but they may also be stories that, you know, as we said earlier, become kind of the journalists research them and they stand them up and they are stories. My point earlier is that that's not happening because there's no resources to do that. So they kind of never get written about. The Zaha one is an exceptional story, but I really kind of disagree with you that it's like not a gossip story. We are all talking about it. We're standing in this cafe or restaurant talking about this story. It's gossip. Well, it isn't really because no oh, one. For because no. So what is it then, Paul? Okay. What is it? It's boring because really because it's well, it seems to have entertained this room quite well for the last five minutes. Well, it may have entertained them, but it's all going to come out in court. So it no, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's, it's a, not. It's a legal case, and it will come out in court because they always do, unless unless there's a settlement out of court, and that's a problem. That's a story. That isn't tittle-tattle, and nor is no, it about unexpected relationships between uh, two people. I mean, there are, there are plenty of things about the internal uh, human relationships with, uh, with people in that practice, and that is gossip. I'm not, actually, I'm not talking about those. And actually, I, I dispute the fact there isn't. There's plenty of gossip. I sort of idly thought, when I, right, I'm going to come to this event this evening. I'm just going to sort of concoct in my mind a mental gossip column and um, it, it's taken me four days it's looking pretty good I'm not going to publish it because I don't want <laughs> to blow what remains of my last contacts but there's some some of the people 
Just thinking about from gossip stories of yesteryear and people who've been mentioned this evening. Norman Foster, one of my favourite gossip stories, which I wrote, headline, world's favourite architect sues himself. It was absolutely true, absolutely hilarious. We never mentioned Frank Gehry. My favourite Frank Gehry story is he was Canadian uh, and when he was in his teens in World War II, he was in an honour guard for the Duke of Kent who was on a sort of war mission to Canada and Frank Gehry had to go in an honour guard and sing they'll always be in England. And he said, I'm never going to do anything like that ever again. He goes to America, but years later, the Canadians offer him honorary Canadian citizenship because he'd become so famous. He thinks that's very gracious. Uh, I'll, go to the, I'll go to the embassy. And then, of course, the national anthem was played in front of a portrait of the Queen. And this moment with the Duke of Kent comes back to him. Decades later, you just can't escape the empire. Eric Parry, a lovely man, why has he got a spring in his step? Because the so-called hard news stories that he's the tallest building in the city of London is out the window because the finance has disappeared. No, he's got a spring in his step because they're only a 20% partial investor. It's not a problem. And by the way, Eric's very resilient. You know why? Because he spent two years of his life living in a squat in a bus outside the roundhouse. That's not a bad bit of gossip, <laughs> is it? For those who don't know it. And so I've got some scabrous stuff here that I won't go. There's, there is tons of it, ladies but and gentlemen. But these are quite old stories. And the, well, Sorry to, to put a dampener on yeah, things, but, but, but I mean, but I think what we're talking the, about is gossip old, that's kind of new. Old, old, old can be interesting. Okay, an architect recently uh, was going around Sandringham uh, at request of someone or other to do some work on the palace and the chapel and going round with a security person who amazingly his name is Major Buster and um, the architect said to Major Buster he said uh, well the work we've got to do on the chapel from your point of view what do you think about chapels he thinks from my point of view a chapel is simply a sniper opportunity funny no okay fine I got one other, the chief executive of Development Corporation, which is going down the tubes and there's going to be an almighty uh, crash of money and, and failed objectives. Um, it, he should be used to coping that because in a former life he worked as um, a British Railways a signalman. Now that is funny and true when it comes out because it's the juxtaposition of the unexpected. How can somebody who runs a development corporation be a former railway signalman? But actually, life is stranger, the truth is stranger uh, than fiction, um, and it always has been. I'll stop there. Well, Paul, thank you. you All you right, I've got one more. Oh, another! <laughs> okay. okay. A London competition, and amazingly, the winner shares a house with, you know, like somebody who's seriously involved with the client organisation. Uh-oh! Is that going to appear anywhere? Well, I wonder who that I'm is. I'm not going to say who it is. <laughs> no, I've concocted it in my mind because I know who it is. All I'm saying is it's all, it's all out there. It's all out it's there. It's all out there in the swim. Okay. Well, uh, any further thoughts from any of you? you? You've been very quiet, a lot of you. Is that... Is that because it's been boring? Have you got... Has anyone... Oh, <laughs> both my colleagues are really worried now. 
I just think gossip is incredibly cathartic. What do you say? What, what do you call it? Cathartic. You know, we run a small practice and it's incredibly tough. And when we get in in the morning, we just sort of, we just so enjoy talking about how our colleagues are doing really badly or they've failed in this competition or they embarrassed themselves in the press. And I think that sort of gossip it, is what drives us. We need a bit of this, you know. That's what gets us up in the morning. Well, it makes you Every feel better to know that other badly. people, that you, you, to dwell on other people's demise yeah. is a key element yeah, in, yeah, the, yeah. in the pleasure of gossip. Exactly. Well, has anyone posted anything tonight? <laughs> Hashtag, what was it? Negroni talks. Negroni talks. Negroni gossips. Negroni talks gossiped. Okay. I'd like to know, and probably this is more aimed at Sadie and Peter as the architects on the panel, have you ever been at the result of gossip and has it ever done you, you know, has it, have you ever done badly as a result of it? Has it ever done you any harm? I'm sure people gossip. Has it ever done you harm? Well, you know, I, why don't you tell me? I mean, I don't. I'm not. Aware. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm so I just, I just want to. But just on a more positive note, and and to that, I mean, we've talked about some of the serious uh, uh, issues, but most of us are very resilient to gossip. And w the, the gentleman there was talking about, uh, you know, social media and do you be scared about everything? I think we've we've reached a, a situation largely led by our politicians where nobody really gives a damn. Um, so if you've done something really, really bad, then yes, you know, it'll have some commercial impact. But we get clients calling all the time, you know, someone said this about me or this has happened or that's happened. And most of the time, uh, I know you probably think we're the princes and princesses of darkness, but most of the time we say just let it go. It doesn't really matter. And, and again, to the, to the point about calling people out within the profession, I, I'd, I'd sort of counter against that. No one really cares outside of the profession. I think there's a oh. lot of whistleblowing. I'm not talking about the yeah, Me Too stuff. Yeah, that's village green stuff. Yeah, and of course we, we, exactly, we want to exactly. hear about but the village green. That's right. That's, that's gossip and it's, you know, a banter and everything else. But don't uh, misconstrue it as, as being a whistleblower, saying one architect is less climate you know, green than the other, because every everyone's in the same boat. But isn't on this it one. true that the that the 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 way that uh, big architect big practices in particular have become sort of brands, and the more that an office becomes a brand, the more the people at the top of that office are going to protect themselves against. They're going to kind of insulate themselves against uh, mistruths or kind of giving the wrong idea. But fortunately, all the other people that work in those, there's a kind of underbelly to that kind of grandiosity exactly. and that projection of self-perfection is bound to have its opposite uh, and uh, counterforce, which I kind of can conclude from what you've all been saying is actually a, a good, good thing, thing a exactly. human thing. Uh, kind of what makes life worth living exactly. is the and it's exchange a safety net. between people that is not 
mediated by others that is actually kind of direct exactly and i think that you know i've, I've witnessed so many people trying to control every aspect of their yeah, the their, more they control it, it the more the gossip will survive exactly and on and that note survival. i thank you all very very much especially this dog who's obviously completely <laughs> bored by the conversation <laughs> so thank you everybody thank you Thanks for listening. For more on Negroni Talks, visit our website at www.fourthspace.co.uk, where you can see all our past and upcoming events, or find us and subscribe to the show in iTunes. Negroni Talks, mixing it in architecture.